0: I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Miami!
0: And what is up, dolphins fans? And welcome in to the Monday, May the 14th edition Of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, rookie minicamp camp came and went over the weekend, and we got some more coaches speak to digest. We'll get into that for you guys. Plus, the Ryan Tannehill 2016 charting project is underway, part one up right now on lockdowndolphins.com. You can check that out. And what we expect from this 2018 offense. And finally, debunking some more national media narratives. But first, before any of that, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. And of course, lockedondolphins.com, the number one rated blog in the Lockdown Network. And the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts, like the Lockdown Heat podcast and on NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I am back from a trying weekend, I suppose, if you want to call it that. It's Sunday night here, late on Mother's Day. I'm sure you guys all had fantastic Sundays with your mothers and finishing up all all those festivities that go into that plan. But on Friday, I had a couple of buddies that are having babies coming up this summer, their firsts, as we all start to get into our 30s and start doing that part of life, I suppose, going forward. I haven't joined the ranks, but nonetheless, we had a going away party, so to speak, for both those guys. Like It's called a Huggies and Chuggies, where you bring diapers and beer and you, just, you pound beers and relish in the fact that I guess you don't have a kid yet I'm not sure the whole purpose but nonetheless I got together with a bunch of my friends and we put down an entire keg of beer so that was a good time that really knocked me on my ass for all of Saturday for the most part just because I'm getting to the age where I can't really handle hangovers anymore but I had some things I had to do so I got up and go to my brother and his wife's Baby shower for their upcoming daughter coming in this summer. So, busy weekend for baby showers and, and drinking alcohol and playing cornhole and frisbee and all the good stuff that you do in the backyards. We're getting the nice weather coming up and it reminds me of football coming back. All the anticipation that we get built up over the next few months going into the fall. And I just, I love this time of year because. Obviously, the weather's beautiful. We still have baseball going on, which my minors are, you know, lost Robinson Cano to a broken hand today. But you've got, like, the podcast that talk about all the teams. It doesn't get narrowed down to just a few teams like it is at the end of the year. And everyone's got a chance. Everyone's 0 and O. Just a fun conversation. You to get a marinade in it for three months. I really, really enjoy that. So relish in this time. It's going to be gone before you know it. The season will be here before we know it. And it'll be time to get to football. And your Sundays will be busy watching Miami Dolphins football, which is what we're here to talk about here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. So let's go ahead and get right into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it was the rookie minicamps over the weekend that came and gone. And it's nice to kind of have the offseason quote-unquote buttoned up in that way. They were all assigned jersey numbers, all the rookies. They spoke to the press. They got a crash course in life in the NFL, like how to talk to the press, how to prepare, all the things that these guys have to do to prepare themselves to go on to have successful careers, both with the Miami Dolphins and for themselves in the National Football League. But the most noteworthy nuggets from the weekend, they come from those coaches' press conferences where they kind of start to... Peel back the curtain a little bit in terms of what they're thinking about the makeup of their football team, how they're going to design things to make that football team the best possible version of itself. And you, know, you guys know the deal. I'm not plugged into the inside circle like the beat writers in South Florida are, and I'll never pretend to be that, to wrangle up a bigger following. I'm always going to be authentic with you guys and genuine, but we've been connecting the dots all off-season on this podcast, and by and large, they've led us to the right answers for the most part on the podcast and on LockedOnDolphins.com. And while this statement may be construed as something of repetition, I just think it bears repeating... Based on some of the stuff they said over the weekend, because we have talked in the past about that Mike March phone call that happened last year with Adam Gaze. Now, if you guys don't recall, Adam Gaze is a serial insomniac that stays up trying to find new ways to evolve his offense and to get the most out of his players. And just basically like most other coaches in the league, never really sleeps. And we heard about the 2 a.m. texts that he had to Peyton Manning or the touring with four bosses like Mike Martz, for instance. And the story goes that Martz, who was Adam Gaze's mentor in Detroit, where Gaze's adaptation of Martz's offense really took hold Hold. Gaze talked to March on one of these late night calls, and March's quote was, This isn't my offense that I'm watching that you're putting out there every single Sunday. And so Adam Gaze really kind of reeled it back and said, Yeah, I know. And we've gone into great detail about the idea that Gaze didn't have the right pieces. The guys weren't honoring their assignments properly, weren't taking the work home with them. All those quotes we got from the post Baltimore game, and so forth and so on. So the front office finally decided to tilt the team in his favor, and he even said so as much. His quote was, I feel like this is the closest it's been to, quote, my team, end quote, as I've seen since I've got here. So he feels like he has the right iteration of his program, a, a personnel grouping and, and roster that he can really institute his program and his vision and all that stuff. And he brings over a bunch of coaching coaches from previous coaching staffs that he's worked with. And so Dow Loggins, the new offensive coordinator, takes to the podium and talked about his desire to incorporate some of the 13 base personnel, which to the informed gives you an idea of what the tight end room will look like going forward. You obviously have Mike Gusecki and Durham Smythe, they're going to be on the team, but I think that really points to Marquise Gray and kind of some of the things he can do as a fullback, H-back, flex out, even wildcat quarterback if you want to get crazy. Just a bunch of various groupings, uses of different types of players to fulfill certain roles, a week-by-week game plan, and the desire to go up-tempo. On the offense this year, like they tried to do back in 2016. So lots of good nuggets. We're going to get to more of that, including another terrible take by a national media member here next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Finns. So over the weekend, there were a couple of tweets that stood out that both really perpetuated narratives that just drive me nuts. And it, it drives me to the point of just kind of turning off all national media. And the first one wasn't a guy that I recognized, but I think he writes for Bleacher Report. But he said the Dolphins fans think that Ndamukong Suh is quote unquote ass now that he had left Miami. And I've not seen one person or at least one person that you should be following ever said that. So there are things that get reported to be true as fact just because they get picked up by so many people that have such a wide audience that it really generates a false narrative and a false idea not about just the team but about the fans too i like i said i haven't seen that written anywhere there's a couple of guys that got tweeted out about it but like i said guys that are either either mute or blocked or whatever it is on twitter that you really just they it's Constantly that type of stuff. So, you know, in association with the same guy that tweeted that, the same guy he wrote a Bleacher Report article about projected stars for each team and how he has Ted Larson at the right guard position for the Dolphins going forward. And this follows up on Greg Rosenthal from NFL.com saying the exact same thing. And it makes me want to just grab them by the scruff of their collar and say, Jesse Davis is the right guard of this football team. Watch him in December last year. Watch him play at left guard. Watch him play at right tackle. Watch him play at right guard. Watch him pull. Watch him anchor. Watch him use those long arms. Watch him actually pretend pretend like he's an athlete for a couple of plays where he pulls around and wipes guys out by moving very well side to side, laterally, and and change the direction and all that stuff that is a, a quality characteristic trait for guards that can be pro bowlers. And while Jesse Davis is not that athlete, the, the model of an athlete at right guard, he definitely can get out into space and make plays happen. So he's a big time player, going to be a big time starter for this team going forward and will definitely be the right guard come opening day. So I just, I get tired of seeing that just know that those articles are false and trust in the guys here. It just really goes to show you that you have no business listening to the national media talk about this team. This is the only thing that I do guys. It went from a hobby to my job. And I think about 24 seven. I just think that there are better sources you can trust when it comes to local reporting on the dolphins and find your content from places like here, for instance. And if you guys listen to the show, which you are, if you're hearing this, then you're already doing that. So who am I even talking to? Let's go ahead and move on to the next thing, to the next gem that came from potentially the worst football writer I've ever read or ever seen, ESPN's own lovely Bill Barnwell. His tweet (laughs) just got me going and it it transitions us right back into that first topic from the first segment. And his quote was, and he did it in all capitals too, which was just the best part of the entire thing. I just made me feel like he was a 13-year-old pounding his iPhone as, as hard as he could. And he said 13 personnel for Miami. And this is in regards to Dow and saying they want to run some 13 personnel this year. Dolphins wanting to run 13 personnel after investing so much into the wide receiver room. They spend $8 million on Albert Wilson's, $5 million on Danny Amendola. And they have a first-round draft pick in Devontae Parker. And they want to run more tight end sets. So it just really speaks to his inadequacies and his incompetence as a football rider because we talked about it on the last podcast. We did the snap count projections, and you guys heard me generally speak in a puzzled manner over what the Dolphins are going to do because I don't think anyone really does know what the offense will look like in 2018. You're going to get tons of formations with different variations, different shifts and motions and window dressing and disguises. It's going to be a whole new offense. Now, they do want to run some hurry up. They do want to run some tempo, and this is something I picked up text with my buddy Kevin Dern, you guys know Kevin from the podcast, and how all these new pieces are going to have to come together quickly, and will it be able to? Ease into that offense right away, or will it be like an inverse of the 2016 season where they start with that up tempo and that hurry up offense and the shotgun base and the 11 personnel and all that stuff? And then they had to dial it back because it wasn't working at the end of games. They would get into these situations where they changed it up to go ahead and take advantage of what they've seen on the field. And then Adam Gage just kind of stripped it down and said, We're going to go back to a basic 12 personnel, heavy play action based rollouts with the quarterback, that type of thing. And then they kind of instituted a back in more towards the end of the year, like the Arizona game, for instance or the San Francisco game where Ryan Tannehill was so sharp in both those games. So you could see a little bit of an inverse in the 2016 season. And thank you for bringing this up to me, Kevin, via Texas, This is his idea that you might see it become more like starting off slow and building the offense into the season and incorporating those new schemes and new concepts as the season goes along because you got to think about it. It's not going to be a problem for the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill has been here. He knows the system. I'm sure he's a PhD level in this offense at this point, but there's going to be a learning curve with some of the new pieces. When you consider that the left guard, the center, the tight end one, the tight end two, wide receiver three and four, depending on where you view Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola on this roster, as well as running back two and running back three are all new. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that figure to be heavy contributors on this offense are all brand new pieces. So we'll see what happens with it, but there could be a lot of learning curves and bumps and, and pains go along as the season goes on. Now, flip it over to the defensive side of the football and it's just more of the same stuff we've been hearing more dime packages more inclusion of a third safety and Minka who has been told from the coaching staff to prepare both as a safety and as a slot corner and this comes to the idea that he's going to play free safety and base and nickel and then come down and be a big nickel in the dime package most likely he figures to kick down to that big nickel and I don't know about you guys but thinking about Minka and Bobby McCain in the slot and Howard and Cordray tankers on the outside with Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald playing the two deep safety with a robber concept. That looks awfully nice to me because you can do so much interchangeing those guys. Flipping guys deep, cover three, cover one. You want to go zone, you want to go man, whatever you can do, you've got tons of talent and athleticism on that defense that can change things up. They're planning on doing a very heavy defensive end rotation with a lot of those guys being able to kick inside. You'll recall Charles Harris did it earlier in the year. You'll recall William Hayes can do it. You'll recall they had Cam Wake, and even whether it was Charles Harris or Andre Branch, who it was, they would flip inside. Take take the defensive tackles, take them outside, create mismatches that way. That's not going to change. The wide nine stays the same in that way. And then a big nugget is the open competition at the third linebacker position. And again, this is a Kevinism. He told me this via text. And typically typically what that means is they want the rookie to win the job, but they're not going to slight the veterans by putting the rookie ahead of them on the depth chart and announcing that from the beginning. So going to be competition, but they're probably going to want Jerome Baker to win that third job. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he does. And that's the plan from the early get going. But in addition to the player's Coming over all this new turnover on the defense and the offense, the added pieces of the coaching staff, I think, is more adept to run the schemes and concepts that they now want to run that they now have the personnel to run. And I, I know I catch a bit of a rap as a homer for this football team, but I've been doing this for a long time. And I just don't remember as deep and well constructed as a football team to execute the scheme that they're gonna implement as the one that they have now. And I've said eight and eight each of the last two years going into 2016, I was probably higher than most eight and eight, and last year I was probably lower than most at eight and eight because I didn't buy into the Jay Cutler experiment at all and I guess 8 and 8 was even probably a little bit wishful there as well but I'm sticking with 10 and 6 for this year and if I had to budge my I would be closer to 11 and 5 than it would be to 9 and 7 so we've got one more segment here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast to get to talking about Ryan Tannehill's 2016 charting project and what's ahead with that on LockedOnDolphins.com next Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: I want to go ahead and put a bow on this Sunday night slash Monday morning podcast for you guys talking about All Things Rookie Camp and also this Ryan Tannehill project that I started doing over the last couple of weeks, or I guess the last week was really when I got into it. I am basically plotting every pass he throws, assigning responsibility, breaking down the coverages taking long videos where I explain them both in voice or just via writing out the message on the gif or the tweet or whatever it is so you guys can kind of have an understanding of what I'm seeing as a film evaluator and what the Dolphins are seeing in terms of what Ryan Tannehill can do both well and not do well so this project it really kind of got revived because Tannehill the argument never ends but it got revived over the last couple of weeks I think it's because we're post draft he's the guy and it really just reignited the belly of the beast in terms of the fans that don't like him and then obviously that sends a negative reaction to the fans that do like him. And here we are, once again, Dolphins fans at war, butting heads over the quarterback who has been here for his seventh year now. It'll be a sixth year playing with the Dolphins. But I wanted to get back into the fray because I, I obviously do a lot of study with the quarterbacks and I've seen a lot of Ryan Dannehill football, man. I've watched a lot of film. I've watched the games multiple times. I've done the All-22. I've just, I've read the press conferences, transcripts, everything it is, I've, I've tried to get to know him as best as I possibly can to communicate what I see in him as a quarterback to the fan base and I felt like this was the best way to do it. I have been doing those older projects where I charted 2013, 2012, his first two years in the league, and I was going to build it all the way up to 2016, but I feel like it's imminent. We have to get 2016 out now because it's the most prevalent and most relevant towards the 2018 Dolphins with Adam Gaze with these new pieces with his coaching staff and what they're going to do as an offense. So I just went through the first game. I have the Seattle Seahawks game is up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com, charting Ryan Tannehill Week 1, 2016, And in that game, I went over some of the data there. And the the offense really, I mean for the most part, let him down. We talked about the point that he would have had a passer rating of 20 points greater had Kenny Stills hauled in that catch. There was another play in the game where he threw a little bit behind Jordan Cameron, but he did that on purpose to open up the zone because a defender was collapsing on the backside in zone and Jordan Cameron dropped the ball. So he had two passes of over 15 yards that were dropped. And on the day that would have made him three out of five on passes over 15 yards. Obviously the big one to Kenny Stills is 60 plus yards, but he was on target on the deep passing he didn't make any mistakes in terms of throwing to the to the wrong coverage or throwing into a defensive hand defensive player's hands no drop picks anything like that some bad sacks some heavy pressure i charted everything on there from how much time the pressure took to get there to the route concept that was in there to the formation whether it was 3 by 1 2 by 2 11 personnel 12 personnel what down and distance what quarter red zone third down fourth down how much how many times he converted first downs on that particular play. There is a ton of information to digest in there. And when you get the videos included, I put every key play in there in terms of the GIF on there. So there is a ton of data in that one project. So if you guys want to check that out right now, LockedOnDolphins.com. Tomorrow I'll have week two up talking about the New England Patriots. I am about halfway done with the Cleveland Browns game. So that should be coming out this week as well. So we're going to get into that over the next few weeks. We have tons of content coming down the pipeline on LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll be talking about the camp battles at some point, best training camp battles we're going to see, talking about players that Dolphins can least afford to lose from injury, talk about hinge players, guys that really the season hinges on whether or not they play well or not. We're going to talk more and more about stuff that happens in the news daily with this team, rookie updates. Everything you guys want to know, we're going to cover this summer on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as into the fall and the season, so I cannot wait for it to all get going, but we still have several Sundays to go. I'm going to button up this podcast with a nice little note about Mother's Day, and this is going to get a little bit personal for you guys, but I'm going to do it anyway, just so you guys... I feel like it's good to have a bit of a personal relationship with the listeners, and Mother's Day is a tough one for me. I lost my mom back in 2015 in November in an unforeseen accident. My mom had battled with bipolar and depression her entire life and it got to a point to where medications weren't really doing the job they used to so she just her quality of life wasn't great and then she got herself into a situation where an accident happened and she she didn't make it out of it alive so it's it's a tough holiday for me to deal with but just wanted to talk about what she meant to me in my life and the influence she had if you guys follow me on Twitter the the cover photo on my Twitter is my own backyard as a kid with a full not to scale, but basically a replica football field that I painted out, I measured it out, I bought the paint, all this stuff with me and my friends, and I free-handed a Miami Dolphins logo at midfield. So that's my backyard as a kid. I have more pictures like that of other football fields or wiffle ball fields, and we were just always the house that kids came over to and hung out, and she was always a part of that. And She was part of my sports, my biggest cheerleader. If I ever dropped a bomb in baseball or hit a three in basketball, the two sports that I mainly played, I that I'm a football fan, but nonetheless, she was always the one in the stands. that You could hear over everybody else. So my biggest cheerleader, she was such a big influence on me and taught me how to be a good person, how to treat people. And I, I miss her like crazy. So happy Mother's Day to my mom. Rest in peace. I love her very much. But let's get on with the sentiment here and end this podcast. And leave you guys with an outro song that was taught to me by my mother. I actually got this album from her, probably the coolest gift a mom can give a son imaginable. But that's going to do it for tonight's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WinkfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And follow our flagship show at NFL both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the Brian Tannehill charting project up live right now. You guys have a terrific rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.